Okay, so John 10, let's start with John 10 today. Great chapter. Not all of it, unfortunately, although that will be fun for me. John 10, verse 1 says, Here we go. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow the voice of a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. Then down into verse 10, famous verse, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Today, I want to talk about how to hear and how to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, and also how to distinguish it from the voice of the thief, the voice of the stranger of John chapter 10. You know, I reckon that's going to be pretty crucial if we want to live in duo dunamis, clothed with power. Now, I don't want to worry you, but there are lots of voices doesn't mean you're a crackpot. It just means that there are numerous voices out there demanding to be heard. Ideas competing for attention, influences pushing their agendas. I don't know about you, but certainly for me, on a good day, in my more lucid moments, you know, we're clear on what the Word says. We're clear on what God's purposes are for us and and the core principles that we've been taught and, and what our identity is in Christ. At other times, it can be just a swirl, a cacophony. And we feel like we're being buffeted, bombarded, if you like, tugged in multiple directions. The reason, of course, is, is that there's an internal fight going on within all of us for attention. Paul called it a spiritual battle. Forces, if you like, competing in the battleground of your mind for, for your attention, for your opinion, for your reaction. So much depends upon which of these voices wins. And ultimately, of course, if, if we're going to operate clothed with power, we need it to be the voice of the Holy Spirit that wins. So, so here's the plan this morning. We're going to have to go really fast. Part one is we're going to look quickly at the various competing voices, not in great detail. Secondly, we're going to clarify the three main ways that God speaks to us, I reckon, that's a pretty good thing to know, don't you? And then the third part, in light of John chapter 10, how do we distinguish the respective voices 
of the shepherd on one hand and the thief, the stranger, on the other. Okay, so let's dive in. But first of all, we're going to have a quick look at, at the various voices. I'm going to list seven, seven different voices to which I say no wonder it's a struggle. The first voice, voice number one, is the voice of your conscience. You know, like God, you are primarily a spirit being. You might have heard the old line, you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And of course, that spirit has a voice. And that voice manifests in two main forms. The first form is your conscience. That, that inbuilt moral compass, that sense that we all have deep inside of us of right and wrong. So conscience is the first voice. The second voice we call intuition. You, you might want to call it common sense. And so if conscience is a constraining voice, intuition is an internal guiding voice. It's that spiritual perception, that, that insight or awareness, that sixth sense, if you like, that we all possess to one degree or another. It may be trained or untrained. We may listen to it or not, but it's in there. And you know, when our intuition is, in, is informed by the Word of God and prompted by the Spirit of God, it is a tremendous asset. So number one, conscience. Number two, intuition. The third voice is the voice of our flesh. This is our desires and impulses. It's our moods. It's our lusts. It's our overreactions. It's the unrenewed parts of our psyche, our soul, that, that God hasn't quite gotten to yet. The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that the flesh entices us away from God. I'm sure we all know from experience how true that can be. The fourth, fourth voice that we have calling to us, I'm going to call it the voice of experience or the voice of training. You know, we all have deeply ingrained habits that drive us and learnt principles that, that shape us and default reactions that provoke us. They can be very hard to shake. You know, you've built them up probably over decades. You know, and that voice can very easily drown out the voice of God. Voice number five is, is the world. You know, whether we like it or not, it's true to say that we are all bombarded. We're being bombarded with, with worldly agendas, with marketing images, with lifestyle suggestions and philosophical ideologies. I reckon that the, the 21st century media explosion has really magnified this particular voice and it's calling out to you all the time. You know, without doubt, the, the God of this world is attempting to indoctrinate us. 
and there is a tugging pressure to conform. Five already, two to go. We're moving now into the, into the supernatural dimension. Famous verse, Ephesians 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So number six, I'm going to call it demons whispering lies in your ears. I was taught when I was very young, and I think very helpfully, that, that the devil operates in the realm of suggestive thought. Going right back to the very first one, Genesis 3. Did God really say? Does that really work? Did he really promise? What's the point? You're just a failure. Will that one little sin do any harm? You know, those nagging doubts, those persistent insecurities are fed by little antagonistic, provocative, demonic thought seeds. This is why Jesus said to Peter on a famous occasion, get thee behind me, Satan. This is why Paul taught in Colossians, uh, 1, 2 Corinthians uh, 10 verse 5 to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. It's why in John 10, as we've just read, Jesus implored the crowd to run away when they hear the voice of the thief, the stranger. And then finally, voice number seven is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Galatians 5, 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. As Christians, there's the expectation and expectation that we will be led by and follow the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move now, part two of my message, to, to three, the three main ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. There are others. You know, he might speak to you in dreams or, or visions. You know, people have, all, have talked about hearing and an audible voice, angelic appearances, perhaps the various forms of, of prophetic words. But the three main ways that God will speak to us, I'm going to go through them quickly today. Number one is through his word. Number two is what we call the inward witness. And then number three, we're going to call the still, small voice. Just quickly, I'm going to distinguish between those three for you. Number one, then, it is the Holy Spirit revealing the Word. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And the Holy Spirit uses the Word to guide us and to lead us, to direct us and redirect us. He'll use it to warn us. He'll use it to correct us. And here's the point. His guidance would always take you towards the Word. How do I know it's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit would always take you towards the Word. He will never, ever contradict the Word. He would always emphasize 
the word. And you know what? The very best and most reliable guide you could possibly have is a word-filled heart. Illuminated and prompted, and as we heard last week, reminded by the spirit of truth. Number two is the inward witness. And we can have fun with this if we had a bit more time, but we don't because I'm in a hurry. The inward witness is, is best described as, as an inner knowing. You might describe it as a gut feeling. In the old King James, it talks about our spirit as being our, our belly. I've heard it described as a, as a hunch or, or an impression or perhaps a, perhaps a nudge. A couple of examples from, from the book of Acts in Acts 15 verse 28. The disciples said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You know, it wasn't a, an audible voice. You know, it wasn't a plane going ahead with, overhead with a banner because they didn't have planes in those days. But they just, they just had this inward witness, this sense, this, this impression, this perception that this was the right thing to do. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and therefore to us. Another one, this is Paul, Acts 27, verse 9. He said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with injury and much damage. He wasn't looking into the future per se. Again, there was no specific divine word that said this boats are sinking. But he just had this sense, this, this hunch, this impression. It said that he perceived. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Deep on the inside of you, in the complexity of your being, there is your human spirit and the Holy Spirit in fellowship, in communion, working together. So when it comes to the inward witness, people, people talk about feeling a check or, or a constraint or a or a caution. Have you ever felt that wonder where it came from? It's the inward witness. People talk about sensing a red light or a green light. Is it a go or is it a no? And a really good question you can ask when you're testing this out is, is do you feel at peace? Do you feel at peace? Let me articulate it like this. I would suggest that, that if you are headed down the wrong path, you'll feel a check on the inside. You'll, you'll just feel a stirring, an agitation, if you like. That's the warning of the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. But once you've corrected onto the right path, then deep, deep on the inside, you'll feel settled. You'll feel at peace. And you know, without doubt, learning to recognize and to follow that this inward witness can spare us a great deal of unnecessary heartache and pain. Voice number three of the Holy Spirit is, is the still small voice. F famous account, 1 Kings chapter 19, you've heard it before. God tells Elijah to go and stand before him on the mountainside. In that story, first of all, a mighty windstorm hits the mountain. God was not in the wind. 
Then a violent earthquake followed the wind. But God was not in the quake. Next, there was a fire. But again, the Lord was not in the fire. Finally, it says, there came the sound of a gentle whisper. God spoke. The old King James Version describes it as a still, small voice. Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So when it comes to still small voice, it's almost as though the Holy Spirit seems to, to drop something into your spirit. It's so real, you almost look around to see who said it. The still small voice is often unexpected. It usually comes, if you like, as a flash of inspiration, clearly not something you, you yourself would have thought of, maybe not even in language that you personally wouldn't use. It's almost as if it came American expression out of left field. And yet the still small voice will always be a clear and authoritative and a wise voice. This is the still small voice. He doesn't shout it. God rarely parades it. So it's easily missed. One night, a family with a number of children was noisily chattering away at the dinner table when the youngest, a four-year-old, stood up on his chair and shouted, Pass the ketchup! His mother sat in stunned silence and then sent the young, ill-mannered child to his room. Later that evening, the father of the family told his noisy bunch that he'd voice recorded the evening mealtime. As he played it back, a quiet voice was heard asking, please pass the ketchup. A few moments later, the voice called out a little louder, could someone please pass the ketchup? A few moments later, there was the thundering shout everyone remembered from the meal, pass the ketchup. Here's the danger. All those voices that, that we listed earlier are clamoring for your attention. God rarely shouts and he rarely stomps his feet. Eugene Peterson said, and I'm convinced he's right, everybody else is noisier than God. I wonder if that's because God wants to find out who's really listening. Here's the point. God is speaking. Are you listening? Can you recognize it when he speaks? Here's good news. I reckon I can help you a little bit with that. So I'm going to move on now, third part, to, to this idea of distinguishing between the voice of the shepherd and the stranger. And I realize there's a lot of material in here today, and possibly I could have divided this into two messages, but as I was pondering and praying this week, I really felt that this particular piece coming up now was vital. And for certainly for some of you in this room, you really need to get a hold of this. Distinguishing between the voice of the sheep, the shepherd, but sheep, shepherd, and the voice of John. I think we can all recognize the voice of the sheep. So back to John 10, slightly shorter, verse 3. The sheep recognize his voice, that's the shepherd, 
and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They just won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know, they don't recognize his voice. I'm going to simplify this down now into two voices. On one hand, the voice of the shepherd. On the other hand, the voice of the stranger. And to do this, since we're talking about shepherds, we're going to work our way through Psalm 23. And actually, what we'll find is that in each of the six verses in Psalm 23, there's a contrast between what the shepherd is saying where the shepherd wants to lead you, contrasted with what the stranger wants you to get, what he's whispering in your ear, where he's trying to take you. I think you'll find this helpful. So you know Psalm 23, it starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So here we go. The voice of the shepherd is saying, I can The voice of the stranger is naggingly, persistently telling you, you can't. Immediately, I suspect this is ringing a few bells for a few people. Inside of your head, there's this battle going on between the voice that is telling you, you can, because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need, I think the NIV says. With with the voice of the nagging voice of the stranger that's just persistently sitting on your ear saying, you can't. You shouldn't. You're a failure. You can't do it. You haven't got what it takes. So we have the Holy Spirit saying, I am your shepherd. I am your provider. I am the source and supply. He's saying there is nothing you cannot do with the grace and the strength and the wisdom that I supply. You are my sheep, he says. My purpose is to provide for you. It's to protect protect you. It's to nourish you. The the flip to that is is the the, the stranger will repeatedly remind you of what you perceive you lack. He'll consistently remind you of the skills that you don't have and the flaws and weaknesses you know you possess and the failures of your past, of your faith that is too small. And he will keep discouraging. Why? Because he is not your shepherd. Back to John 10, 10. John 10, he is an imposter. He is a fraud. He is a stranger. He is a thief. He is not for you. He is against you. He's not providing for you. He's stealing from you. John 10, 10. The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. So while the shepherd is saying, you're my sheep, you're my son. You're, you're a saint. The stranger is telling you you're a goat. You're a sinner. You're an outcast. You're a reject. You're a rebel. So you can see why it's so important that we listen to the voice of the shepherd. And when the stranger calls, we go running. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Here we go. The shepherd leads you into peace. We talked earlier about being at peace. 
He will lead you into peace, green pastures, still waters. Stranger will be leading you or trying to lead you into turmoil and chaos and confusion. The voice of the shepherd will be, will be quiet. It's the still, small voice. The enemy will be loud and demanding. The shepherd's voice will be patient. The enemy will attempt to, to hurry you into error. The voice of the shepherd will, will, will take you to a place of, of rest, into stability and security. Whereas the enemy's thoughts will have you running around in confused, anxious circles. You've probably heard it said that the shepherd's voice leads you to still waters. The devil drives you in the opposite direction. Little story for you. A preacher was taking a group of Christians on a tour of the Holy Land. He had just read the passage all about the good shepherd and was explaining that as they continued their tour, they would see shepherds on the hillsides just as in Jesus' day. He wanted to impress the group, so he told them what every good preacher tells his people about shepherds. He described how in the Holy Land, shepherds always lead their sheep, always walking in front to face dangers, always protecting the sheep by going ahead of them. Barely got the last word out when sure enough, they rounded a corner and saw a man and his sheep on the hillside. There was one problem. The man wasn't leading the sheep, as the preacher has said. No, he was behind the sheep and seemed to be chasing them. The preacher turned red. Slabbergasted, he ran over to the fence and said, I always thought shepherds in this region led their sheep, you know, out in front. And I told my people that a good shepherd never chases his sheep. Man replied, that's absolutely true. You're quite right. I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. Number three. It's a very serious message. Don't distract me. Number three. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here we go. The shepherd's language is always restoration and righteousness. The enemy's is destruction and sin. Again, John 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give him a rich and satisfying, abundant life. You see, God is a redeemer. He's a builder. He's a healer and a reconciler. The enemy is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God's voice will lead you towards life, towards health, and wholeness, and oneness. The enemy will always lead you towards death, towards dis-ease, brokenness, and discord, and division. The second half of that verse, God will lead you in the paths of righteousness. The enemy, of course, wants you wallowing in sin and its consequences. So God will use his word of truth to take you in to safety and into wisdom. 
The enemy will bombard you with lies because he wants you vulnerable and ashamed. He wants you addicted. Above all, he wants you separated from God. Building a picture. Verse 4, yea, though I... It's got to be the King James. It's got to start with a yea. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you... It's not New King James Version. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So again, you know, you're, you're, you're in a situation. You're, you're hearing those voices. You're being tugged. Somewhere in there, there's the voice of, a, of, a, of the shepherd. And somewhere in there, there's, there's the voice of the stranger. How do you know which is which? Well, Psalm 23, verse 4, the voice of the shepherd strengthens faith. The voice of the stranger feeds fear. Either I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's a good question to ask. Does it make your, does it make your spirit leap? Does it make you feel cold and clammy inside? That's the difference between faith, Holy Spirit-inspired faith, and the fear of the enemy. Another question, does it make you bold? Or does it make you anxious? It's a great indicator of where it comes from. Is it magnifying God's willingness and ability to impact your situation, or is it diminishing it? Shepherd, stranger. Is what you are hearing softening your heart to God or is it hardening it between faith and fear? Is it leading you into fellowship with fellow believers or is it pushing you out on a limb? Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Here we go. The voice of the shepherd will remind you of your anointing. And duo, dunamis, clothed with power. The voice of the stranger will encourage you to follow your fleshly impulse. When you hear that voice, which way is it steering you? Towards your anointing or towards your fleshly impulse? Of course, the Lord wants you to be spirit-led and spirit-dependent, spirit-filled. He wants you to operate anointed, clothed with power in his strength. Whereas the enemy is trying to get you to completely forget about that mantle. He wants you instead to operate out of flesh and out of emotion and out of angry impulse. You see, the last thing the stranger wants is your cup running over. He wants you lost in the desert with a well that's dry and empty so that you have nothing for you and you have nothing for anyone else. But you know what? Even in the presence of your enemies, even in the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord will be filling you up until your cup runneth over, pouring out his anointing so you have all you need. And the last one, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Much we could say here, but just simplify it down. The shepherd's voice is merciful 
and convicting. The enemy's voice is demeaning and condemning. The devil, of course, is described as, as the accuser of the brethren. And he's very good at it. His language, you'll find, is always harsh and judgmental and condemning. He wants you to retreat. He wants to belittle you. He wants you to fail. And he'll jab you until you become defensive. He knows exactly how to provoke you and how to tie you up in knots. The voice of the Holy Spirit is the exact reverse. Not to say that what he says will always be easy to hear. It may well be challenging. It may well be demanding. It may be convicting. We read of the disciples being cut to the heart. But the tone will be different. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, it will be strengthening and it will be encouraging and it will be comforting. Romans 8, 28, his purpose is for your good, goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. That, that might not necessarily mean chocolate hearts and rose petals. It might mean character development. It might mean increased maturity or humility. But he will never beat you up. He will never knock you down. He will never leave you worse than he found you. The thief has no problem at all with doing that. Nearly there. Let's read that. Passage again, this is the passion. It says, And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. When he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him, for they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them, because they know it's the voice of a stranger. So here's the application today. Perhaps the worship team would like to reassemble. Okay, so next time you find yourself in a challenging situation, next time you find yourself, if you like, in the middle of that swirl, that cacophony, and you feel like you're being buffeted, bombarded, and tugged, just stop and listen to the voices that are competing for your attention. I gave you a choice of seven. It might be your flesh. It could be demonic. It might just be the voice of the Holy Spirit. The next time you find yourself being tugged in multiple directions, ask yourself this question. What is the shepherd saying? And what mischief is the thief up to. Well, you've heard that voice before. Then you know from bitter experience the inevitable consequence of going where it's trying to take you. And so your task is to become familiar with the voice of the shepherd. And then to allow that voice to lead you into the, all those beautiful and calm and safe places that Psalm 23 